1: And good morning and welcome to The Real Investment Show. Of course, it's Tuesday as uh, we get this uh, week underway. Today, CPI Inflation Day. Uh, That's expected to maybe come in a little bit hotter than expected because of the recent rise in gasoline prices. So that could be a shock to the markets this morning. We'll see. Um, And then, of course, um, we've got more economic data coming out this week as well. So again, you know, this is going to be kind of an interesting day because of the CPI Inflation Report. but. if you're watching the super bowl halftime show there's a lot of uh information you know, a lot of commentary going around right now about uh, during usher's performance they were all on roller skates and apparently a young lady fell off the stage at uh during this and so there's been a lot of commentary about this well she actually made a video coming out she's got a, a sprained wrist she's got a black eye <laughs> it looks like she's been completely beat up and she goes this is just a good wo- word of warning she says i'm an actor and as an actor or an actress, then uh, when you're filling out, my agent told me, just check the boxes of everything. Because you know, so, they'll ask you on your list, you know, what are you good at? You know, can you roller skate? Can you surf? You know, whatever it is. Just check every box. And she goes, this is a good lesson not to lie on your resume because the thesis is, is that you just check every box. And, the, and there's usually enough time between whatever the, the, the acceptance of the job is and the actual shoot. You've got time to go learn out and you know, go you know, surf for two weeks, learn how to surf or whatever. Well, apparently she got cast the day before because one of the dancers got sick. She didn't know how to roller skate. <laughs> <So> <laughs> she was not an advanced roller skater. So anyway, she's she's clarified the situation. So as a young, you know, as a young person going out, don't lie on your resume. It's, you know, sometimes it doesn't work out that well, particularly when it's in some type of athletic sport. Um, other thing. So um, Brent's been playing. So a couple of weeks ago. Here on the show, I was talking about uh, that my wife and I were starting to watch the Reacher series on Amazon. And Brent's been running a little clip on the show um, about our conversation about that, saying, you know, as boomers, you know, we don't care about advertising because now when you go to watch Reacher, if you have an Amazon Prime account, uh, they now are inserting commercials unless you're willing to pay an additional $2.95 a month. Well, that's now gotten Amazon into a bit of trouble. There's a class action lawsuit being filed if you were a prime member prior to december the 28th 2023 there is in the contract when you sign up for your prime membership that it says that it includes ad free streaming for prime users and that's been part of the contract and so the the class action lawsuit being filed is for basically false advertising And then also to get them to remove the ads because one party can't just change part of the contract, just all (laughs) willy-nilly, and not go through a reprocess. So it's going to be very interesting to see, but now there's a class action lawsuit being filed against Amazon because of these ads being inserted. And look, you know, Amazon's just trying to make some money here. Not that they don't make enough already, but you know if you want to charge 2.95 a month for ad-free streaming that's fine just raise the cost of your prime memberships for new people coming in or whatever right so but if you're an existing prime member you know you can't charge them so we'll see what happens but I thought it was interesting cuz we just talked about this on the show like 2 weeks ago and now this class action lawsuit is being filed again it doesn't bother me commercials right you know, they stick a com- one commercial, you know, in the stream. I get up and run to the kitchen, do whatever I got to do, right? Don't miss any of the shows. That's so it's fine. Um, all right, so a couple of things. Uh, like I said, CPI out today. This is going to be kind of the big news. Um, if the number comes, and, and so really this is kind of the, the way the market is going to play out today. Futures are down a little bit this morning. Um, but if inflation is hotter than expected today, well, that may not be good news for the markets because that means the Fed won't be cutting rates as soon or as quickly as the markets would like. If the number comes in much weaker than expected, that's gonna be good news for the markets. So we'll see how this is. Kind of in line, probably won't mean a whole lot. So um, that's where we are. So again, you know, where we've kind of been just kind of focusing here the last couple of days, and we're getting to a little bit more conversation about this this morning, is, you know, this market's doing great. Nothing wrong with it. So here's what you need to know before the bell. Yesterday the markets didn't really do a whole lot. We were flat at the end of the day, kind of just chopped around most of the afternoon. It was interesting though, yesterday morning we opened up flat, then just all of a sudden right around 10 o'clock in the morning, the market just kind of took off and we were up about 30, 40 basis points and really just about the function of an hour. So there's just a very sharp uptick in the markets and all of a sudden just quit and the market fell back down, went to flat and stayed that way for the rest of the day. So Not sure what buying program kicked in just all of of a sudden yesterday morning, but it was short lived. Uh, We had this nice little pop in the market. Then the market just kind of gave it all back up, ended flat. But again, um, really didn't change the trajectory of the markets right now. Again, you know, if we just take a look at the market itself, that's doing fine. The the interesting side, though, was yesterday was that. Small caps and mid cap stocks actually had a very good day. Small caps were up about 1.8% yesterday, small and mid caps, uh, IWM, the Russell 2000. Um, so actually saw a nice little uptick here. Maybe starting to see potentially a bit of rotation into those stocks as well, just from the standpoint that you know, we've had such a big run in the S&P, not surprising that as everybody kind of gets FOMO on that side, they're going, hey, there's some other opportunities here. So maybe we'll go take a look at that. Again, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, important just to kind of keep this in perspective. You know, we haven't really done a whole lot in the small cap, mid cap space. Mid caps, though, themselves, if you just take, if you just break out the S&P 400, Um, Those are the the mid cap stocks. That's actually been doing much better with mid caps kind of getting ready to break out and if we have to kind of pull the chart back. But again, we're about to break out uh, again to potentially try to retake that old high that was put back in January of 2022. Um, Small caps, a a bit of a different story. Again, not performing as well as mid caps here. So a lot of the, the pull In IWM, has been more in the mid cap stocks than the small caps. But again, we're starting to see a bit of improvement there. So we're seeing a bit of rotation. We'll see if that can continue uh, to occur. As uh, again, you know, as you know, people have all kind of piled in, We're, we're very long. If you take a look at exposures in terms of equity, very, very long in the tooth with a lot of exposure into large cap stocks, maybe finally starting to see some of that rotation in some of the small cap mid cap spaces we'll see uh, you know it's it's a bit early here but again we are starting to see a bit better improvement yesterday was a good example of that uh mid caps were uh, small mid caps were up a, a good bit yesterday uh while the overall large cap market was was kind of flattish so again you know we've talked about this potential for rotation and that that's going to be kind of and, and again this is what we talked about yesterday is starting to rebalance portfolios reducing some of those stocks that are really really kind of overweight in portfolios now because of the big advance now you know potentially we see a bit of rotation in some of the more defensive sectors um, particularly during a a corrective move in the market or even a consolidation may see some of those more defensive sectors begin to kind of pick up and make some some traction here uh, just from a a bit of a, a risk reduction standpoint in portfolios because managers just like us we can't be out of the market because of the risk of of underperformance. So again, we can move sectors, though, to try to to capture some of those gains and try to maintain performance, particularly if we see an overall rotation in the market. So that's kind of really just kind of things to pay attention to. But, you know, again, you know, outside of domestic markets, you know, again, emerging markets continue just to grossly underperform uh relative to to all the other markets just absolutely nothing going on in emerging markets and really no sign of rotation there at all international has been doing a little bit better but again not nearly as well as domestic so you know at this point we're seeing rotation yes but you know it's, it's been primarily rotation in domestic stocks more than international emerging markets doesn't mean there's not opportunity in the international stocks there certainly may be but again you know if we kind of bang for your buck side Um, Domestic seems to be more the place to be for right now. That's what you need to know before the bell this morning. We're going to come back and talk about today's article that's on the website, though, uh, talking about these divergences in the markets and and why we'll kind of pick up on why we're starting to to worry a bit and, and rebalance risk a bit in portfolios. So don't go away. More of The Real Investment Show coming up right after the break.
0: Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com.
1: So, welcome back to the show this morning. So, again, over the last uh, couple of days in this weekend's newsletter, we talked a little bit about this yesterday. Um, that we're kind of reaching that point in the market where managing some risk a bit makes some sense. And, and it's interesting because in January of 2020, um, I wrote an article entitled, This is Nuts. And, and the reason that we wrote that article at that point now is because we were starting to take profits and rebalance risk in portfolios because again when you you know and i even quoted from that article in today's article on the website says when you sit down with your portfolio management team and the first comments made is this is nuts it's probably time to think about your overall portfolio risk on friday that was how the investment committee both started and ended with this is nuts and that was january the 11th of 2020 of course march was the pandemic downturn Now again, you know, well, nobody knew that was coming, but the 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 markets were getting overly exuberant, just a lot of FOMO, right? And you know, currently right now, the markets are are up fourteen out of the last fifteen weeks, which is the longest stretch since nineteen seventy two, and you know and, and 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 so when you kind of look at a chart of of those periods where you just have these very long stretches of market advances those typically coincide to some degree with at least short-term market peaks. Again, it's just, you know, if, if if everybody's bought, right? There's just you're going to run out of buyers eventually. And and then somebody's going to stand up their hands like, "I'm going to sell a little bit and and take some money off the table." And then you start getting kind of a wave of selling, and that's how markets work. And we and as investors, we often kind of forget that markets are a function of psychology and and they ebb and they flow. Uh, just like everything. Now, it doesn't mean that you're going to have this huge correction and you're going to lose a tremendous amount of money. No, I mean, you don't have to do anything. If if you're kind of a long-term investor and buying ETFs, you can just kind of ride the, the ebb and the flow of the market a bit and just worry about the big drawdowns. The problem, as is always the case, is we just never know when the really big drawdowns are coming. There's nothing to suggest right now that we're – Looking at anything other than potentially a very normal run-of-the-mill five to ten percent correction at some point, and just whenever that occurs, it occurs. But that's why we're beginning to to think about risk to some degree. But you know the important thing about the streak of fourteen to fifteen weeks is that hasn't occurred since nineteen seventy two, and there was a similarity back then to today, which. Back in in that period, we were chasing what was called the nifty 50 stock. So, you know, if we look back at that period and, you know, you can kind of see this market just kind of this, you know, innocuous advance. We had a bear market. And again, this is this is the funny thing about people as well. When you look back in the 60s and the 70s, everybody just talks about the 73, 74 bear market. What they don't realize is, is there were numerous bear markets before that. and And so there was a bear market that actually started in you know roughly about 1968 and fairly big bear market and then the market bottomed you know around 1970 and then began this this very sharp advance and then in 1973 we started the 73 74 bear market so you know this has been a very similar period markets rallying while the feds hiking interest rates. You know those type of things. So so again, there's there's kind of a lot of similarities. Again, they got this Nifty Fifty chase, just like we have the AI chase today. And again, doesn't. I'm not saying we're going to. Don't get me wrong. Don't you know? I'm just saying we're not about to have the 1973-74 bear market. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that there's a lot of similarities when you have these very strong advances that you eventually get some type of correction. Now we'll eventually have, at some point. Don't get me wrong either. That we'll eventually gonna are, are gonna have another bear market. We'll have a twenty or thirty percent decline at some point. Probably not this year, but probably have that at some point in the future. So, um, but again, there's there's a lot of indicators that suggest that this market is is stretched. It's a bit kind of out of bounds for its normal parameters. And so you're going to have to have some type of corrective action at some point to relieve that in order for the market to advance again my my colleague at society general i've known albert edwards for a long time and he comes up with some great commentary on a regular basis and one of his recent charts was just showing the the u.s technology sector's market cap versus that of the total market cap and you know that is now above one third of the total market cap, and again, we haven't seen that since 2000. Again, not saying we're about to have the dot com crash in either. There are differences between today and then, but spend a lot of money piling into technology, and valuations do matter at some point in the future. So, you know, this is this is going to be one of the the, the bigger issues. Um, if you take a look at Earnings, right? So when we pay for technology, when we pay for the market, right? If you're buying the S&P as an example, an S&P index, we pay for earnings. And when you take a look at forward earnings, earnings are not growing except for the technology sector. Now, they're not declining sharply. They're just not growing that much. In fact, more and more companies right now are complaining about weaker demand, those type of issues. But technology is doing fantastic. Because they're the ones growing earnings. So we're chasing one group of stocks right now because they're growing earnings. The rest of the market really isn't because of the impact of what's happening in the overall economy. Um, so why that's important, of course, is that when we talk about forward earnings expectations, we're, and that's what we're paying for, right? We are say, okay, well, you know, uh, NVIDIA is trading at a price to sales of 35 times. But that's okay. This is the thesis. That's okay because their earnings are going to catch up with the stock price. Well, that's only if the stock price stops going up, by the way. All right? The stock price goes nowhere for a long period of time and earnings finally catch up with what you're paying for in terms of valuation. But that's a, that would be a very long time in this case. But that's not the way it works. We keep bidding up the stock based on this expected earnings growth that will never actually catch up with the rising stock price because we get all excited. So eventually you have a reversion in the stock price to catch, catch down with earnings, but that's, what's kind of going on. If you take a look at the technology sector, EPS, it's outperforming forward EPS estimates. So, uh, you know, if you take a look at, and, and I'm sorry, trailing EPS estimates, forward estimates are are running way ahead of what is happening with actual reported estimates so again the the exuberance over what is going to come from technology earnings is far outpacing what is actually occurring and this is why we continue to see those earnings downgrades that occur and even 2024 estimates are still continuing to get downgraded right now but that's why we have to have these downgrades in order for companies to beat these estimates well what's actually happening what you're actually paying for now Again, when you're paying for forward estimates, this is the expectation, right? This is what I think is going to happen because that's what the analysts tell me. What you actually wind up paying for is two very different things. It's like you go to a car dealership and they've got a you know, a, you know, a, a very slick sports car sitting there. And so you buy that sports car thinking it's going to be really fast and it's got a Volkswagen engine in it. right? It's a kit car. <laughs> that's kind of what's happening. And so we're way overpaying for performance that we're not actually getting, which makes the valuation problem ultimately far worse. Now, again, when we take a look at what's happening specifically, and again, this is one of the reasons why we're becoming a little bit more concerned about the market. Technology is what's absorbing all the flows of capital. So everybody's in the technology chase. We are, too, mind you. And that's why we're taking profits there. Um, But. Everybody's in the technology chase. Money flows are all in tech right now, not really anywhere else. So again, it's just, you know, everybody's piling into the same trade, which is another reason why we're sitting here going, you know what? It's probably time to take a little bit of money off the table, be a little bit more risk averse, maybe rotate into some areas that may get some cash flow if money begins to rotate in the overall market. Um, but but this is all about psychology right now. Again, it's the, it's the whole FOMO chase. In fact, if you take a look at the the Bank of America, they have a global what they call equity risk love. This is how many people are in love with equities right now. That's at a level that normally coincides with peaks in the market. And again, doesn't mean major – I can't re- relay this enough because I don't want a bunch of emails going, well, since you think the market's going to crash, <laughs> I'm not saying that. You we're going to have a bit of a correction or a consolidation to work some of this off, right? And this is where you get the rotation in the markets, et cetera. Laggers try to catch up with the leaders, those type of things. My point is just to be a little bit cautious here because, again, we're all getting extremely excited about this market. And, again, I, I certainly understand that. But this is the point that we want to be careful of is, is that there is a time – to be a little bit more risk averse. And again, we don't have to right now just sell everything. And this is this is always kind of one of the big problems that investors run, run into, which is, well, if you think a crash is coming, why don't you just sell everything and wait for the crash? Well, okay, so first of all, as I've repeated numerous times, to be clear, I don't think a crash is coming. But when we come back from the break, I'll explain to you why you don't do that and why managing risk will work out better for you over time than trying to time the turns of the market. Be right back after the break.
0: Investment advice blog. It's required reading for the informed investor. Catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com. Nothing sinks a marriage quicker than money issues. This Valentine's Day, promise you'll respect your lover's credit. Communicate about your money and share together our first Candid Coffee for 2024. Five Money Habits of Unhappy Couples, Saturday, February 24th. Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff will have money tips to help revive your financial harmony. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. Five Money Habits of Unhappy Couples. Candid Coffee with Ratliff and Rosso. realinvestmentadvice.com. You're listening to The Real Investment Show.
1: Welcome back to the show. So talking a little bit about, you know, this kind of theme, a theme that I've been talking about the last couple of days. And again, we wrote about this weekend's newsletter, touched on it yesterday, a little bit more detail today because I have an article out about it on the website. So if you go to realinvestmentadvice.com, you can kind of see all the attendant charts and graphs. I didn't go through all of them. But just, you know, this market is kind of reaching that point that, we're going to have a corrective action of some sort. Everybody's on one side of the boat. Just everybody's extremely bullish. So the, the, the obvious question that I always get is why don't you just sell and go to cash and wait it out. That's certainly an option. And if you wanna do that, that's certainly okay. I don't recommend it because markets, when they're driven by FOMO, can can last a lot longer than you think. They can do things that you don't expect them to do. So trying to go to cash, is fine right you can do that but this market's going to keep going up and this market will go up longer than you think and then you're gonna go well i'm now i'm missing out i got out too early because you know dummy lance told me to get out of the market and now i've missed out on all these gains so then you get back in and that's the top right so that's the psychological pull of what happens in the markets the other factor is, is that, you know, trying to get out and wait it out is fine. But this market as, as an example, I'm not saying this is going to happen, but you know, the market could go up 10% from here, correct 10%. You get back into the market exactly where you are right now, and, and that's okay, right? Um, but you kind of spend a long time sitting in cash, and and the problem is not knowing exactly when to get back in. So it's it's hard to time the markets, you know, to to get those actual peaks or troughs. You know, you can do that. You can get lucky. Right. And it's certainly possible, but it's, it's difficult to do. And so this is why we just talk about managing risk. You know, we reduce exposure, we'll raise cash if needed, but we try to let the market dictate. Right now we have buy signals on the markets where, yes, markets overbought, markets are extended, but they're still on buy signals. So there's nothing right now today that suggests we're going to have a major downturn in the market. So we need to participate with the market while it's going up. We need to make returns when we can. And then when the markets start to give us sell signals, then, yes, reduce cash, reduce your overall risk, you know, put on some defensive assets, however you want to, however you want to manage your portfolio. is up to you, of course. But you know, timing the market is always difficult to get it exactly right. And this is why, you know, using a good set of indicators. You know, we on Simplivizer as an example, we've got two money flow indicators, ones daily, ones weekly, to kind of navigate these long-term changes. And and those indicators aren't going to get you out right at the top. They're not going to get you in right at the bottom, right? You're you're going to miss the tops and you're going to miss the bottoms, and that's okay. That's okay. Reduce a little bit of risk, manage risk going up, market begins correct, you get a sell signal, reduce risk more when you get the buy signal start working your way back in so that's just managing the portfolio but trying to time the market becomes very difficult and this is where as investors we make a lot of psychological mistakes because the, you know the, you know historically this is what happens is that markets start going up and you're out of the market so now you feel like you're missing out got to get in so you're going to wait for a correction then the market keeps going up so now it's even more overbought than it was before. So now you're gonna to wait to get back in and then the market corrects a little bit. And you're like, aha, this is the big, this is the big corrections are gonna come. I'm gonna buy cheap. And then the market takes off running again. And you're just always kind of behind the curve. Same thing happens on the way down, is that the markets are declining? It's like, yeah, this market is gonna really go down. Like 2022 is a great example. Everybody was expecting this market to go down 30, 40%. We were down 19 at the end of the year on a total return basis but all along the way we kept having these big rallies along the way so the market never really got really overworked and every time the market did decline a little bit everybody had so much fomo about missing out on the next you know bull market that they kept buying every dip and so you know you never got that real cleansing Move in the market that would bring you know say oh now now valuations are cheap I'm going to get back and we never did that so for a lot of people that were kind of expecting that bear market they never got back into the market and, and this and this is the this is the psychological thing that we do to ourselves is, is that we're always you know expecting what's going to occur and then as we are expecting oh this is this is the way it's going to work out when it doesn't work out that way then we keep coming up with reasons why it's it's still going to occur it just hasn't happened yet so I'm going to wait. Eventually, the pressure of missing out gets too big and we have to get back in. And normally, we buy in way too late. You know, we tell you stories all the time about even recently, within the last year, we've met with people that have been out of the market since the financial crisis because they were so worried that the market was going to have another big 50% downturn again. But, you know, now, 400% later, it's like, okay, I got to get back in. I got to make some money. I'm getting too close to retirement. So that's the challenge, right? That's the challenge of timing the market. So sometimes it's very important that we just have to set those emotions aside, and you know, again, this is why we focus a lot on technicals. Again, it's not that we're technical investors; we're fundamental investors, but we use those technicals to try to alleviate those emotional biases that get us in so much trouble over time. It's difficult. I mean, you know, look, I, I'm emotional. I hate when you know i'm I'm missing you know I'm not performing as well as the market or i you know i I miss an opportunity i you know I see something and i I don't get it bought at the right time you know i'm I'm emotional just like everybody else and and you know we try to combat that on a daily basis because the emotions are what get us more often than not. you know we get wrapped up into these. Macro views about things, the, you know, the dollar or whatever it is, and and so I, I don't want to be invested because you know the dollar is about to to plummet, you know, whatever the reason is. But then it doesn't happen, and so we wind up missing opportunities because we're worried about this one big macro event that didn't occur, even though everybody was telling us it was going to occur. I mean, look, we've had numerous of those just over the last couple of years. You know, we had the debts, the deficits. You know, we've got to issue debt and, and you know, these big debt issuance of $34 trillion in debt and the dollar and, and all these things. And these were all supposed to cause an immediate impact on the markets and they didn't. You had skyrocketing inflation, the Fed hiking rates. And, and the Fed, whenever the Fed hikes rates, data will tell you we always have a recession, yet we haven't had a recession. Markets are hitting all time highs. Happens. Don't know why it happens, but it happens. And that's why it's important that we kind of separate out some of these macro views. And look, you know, we were writing articles, just like everybody else, right? Doing the analysis. Fed rate hikes, tightening monetary policy, high inflation, inverted yield curves, all recessionary signals need to be aware of it. Markets just kept going up. Markets are going up and the Fed's tightening their balance sheet. But it's what's happening. So, you know, we've had to participate even though all of our alarm bells are going off. Well, you know, then that's when we kind of keep going back to these technicals. And that's the whole point of this article today is sentiment, technicals, those are the shorter-term risk indicators to pay attention to. Those... Indicators suggest that this market's gone too far too quickly and we're going to have some type of corrective action. Not today. Maybe not tomorrow. Could be a week. Could be a month. Could be three months from now. Again, markets can remain illogical longer than you can remain solvent. But at some point between today and the election, that's your time frame, we're probably going to have a 5 to a 10% correction along the way. Could be sloppy. Could be no correction at all. Could be just markets going nowhere for four months. That would do the trick as well. Could it just be a big rotation? In other words, tech sells off. A lot of other underperforming sectors, reach, utilities, those type of things are performing better. Market just kind of goes nowhere but we work through a rotation in the markets and we work off some of this excess. Then we can look at what the next leg of the market's gonna look like. Who's gonna be the leaders, who's gonna be the laggards, those type of things. So again, you know, this is the whole point of the article today. I just wanna get across to you though, because again, I, I, you know, invariably when we talk about this, I get a ton of emails saying, well, again, as I said, if you think a crash is coming, why aren't you just all in cash and short the market? It's a bad idea. It's a bad strategy. Timing is very difficult. The other thing, though, and again, just want to reiterate this, is I'm not saying the markets are about to crash. <laughs> I'm just saying we're going to have a correction, consolidation, normal, healthy. Now, eventually, we will have a much bigger decline down the road somewhere, but that's a different conversation for a different day. Um, coming out today, uh, earnings-wise, we have Airbnb, AutoNation, uh, Biogen. Coke was out this morning. Earnings were a little bit better than expected. Hasbro, Instacart, uh, Marriott International, Lyft. Of course, Lyft is going to be interesting to watch after Uber. Uber had a really good report, and so it'll be interesting. If, and, and Uber's been doing, uh, stock has been doing fantastic. So we'll see if Lyft uh, performs the same. MGM, Moody's, Robinhood, of course, is the... Uh, trading application for retail investors. So it'll be interesting to see if there, you know, if all these, of uh, all this kind of exuberance in the market is translating into more trading activity for Robinhood. Are the are the are the young, youthful speculators returning back to Robinhood after they left? That'll be an interesting report to watch. Some we'll probably talk about tomorrow as well with Danny. Uh, all right, come back. We'll wrap up the show. Don't go away.
0: you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com
1: So I've been looking for a side gig. Just something I do in my, all my free spare time and found something that uh, looks a little interesting. FBI Cleveland warns of romance scams. Yeah. So apparently romance scams also known as con, like like this also known as confidence scams that's a con man. You know the difference between a thief and a con man? Thief runs out of town, con man walks. <laughs> <laughs> romance scams also known as confidence scams continue to rise typically occur when a criminal creates a fake profile on a dating site or social media platform. Uh, social media has made romance scams a lot easier because it's all anonymous, right? You can hide behind pseudonyms and fake profiles and fake pictures and everything else. And there's a lot of people out there that are on social media applications and looking for love, right? Everybody everybody wants a little love these days. Um, these criminals are actively searching dating websites, apps, chat rooms and social networking sites in their efforts to build a relationship with the goal of accessing financial assets or personally identifiable information, um, which occurs quite often. You know, this this is how these things start is that, you know, they target somebody who typically it's, it's typically men targeting women. Right. And it's women over 40s divorced, widowed, elderly, disabled. Those are the kind of the prime targets, right? Because they're lonely um, in a lot of cases. And if they're divorced or widowed, they potentially have assets from either the divorce or insurance settlements, etc. So they're good targets. Um, but, the, you know, these things start out rather innocently. And and I'm, I'm telling you this for a reason. So just bear with me for a second. It's not I'm really looking for a side gig. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or, love. or love, either one. I'm I'm all good. Uh, but you know, this is how these things start out, right? So if they you know make a connection on social media, and 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 this is something particularly if you have elderly parents uh, to be well aware of uh, if they kind of fall into that category. You know, if if you're you know your dad's passed away and your mom's living alone, these are the, and it's not just it's it's not just dating apps right it's social media in general uh, particularly like they're on Facebook and you know they make friends with somebody and they're chatting back and forth and then it's like oh well I'll come see you why don't you send me you know but I don't have any money right now I'm out of a job or whatever it is can you send me some money uh, so I can get a plane ticket to come see you and then you send them they send them the money for the plane ticket but then somehow the plane ticket never gets bought and it just it just goes on from there there's always a problem and they just start, and it starts out small, you know, a couple hundred bucks here, $500 there, $1,000 here, but it adds up over time. And, and we hear about these stories often, right? And it's, and it's just becoming much more prevalent now as we get, as, A, as, as the scammers become a lot more sophisticated in their actions. But technology is just moving so quickly, it's moving past a lot of our elderly parents And and their ability to use them. I mean, like my mom, she's 87, and I can't get her to figure out how to text. (laughs) So you know, it's you know problematic. But you know, it's just it's interesting because this was an article that was put out by the. It was an alert actually put out by the FBI in Cleveland, warning of these romance scams. Uh, Perpetrators are. And this is from the actual alert. Uh, as Valentine's Days approach, and again, by the way, today's the 13th. Tomorrow, <laughs> gentlemen, tomorrow is the 14th. Look, if you haven't done anything yet for your for the love of your life and would prefer to keep living after tomorrow, uh swing by any Kroger's. There's a big white tent in front of every Kroger's in across the country right now, selling flowers, candy. Do something, right? <laughs> keep I would like you to continue to be able to watch the show from the luxury of your own home, not the hospital. So, exactly. (laughs) So, tomorrow's Valentine's Day. But this is the reason this alert came out from the FBI. is talking about these romance scams on Valentine's Day. This is where it gets, you know, much more prevalent. So, again, just kind of be aware if you have elderly parents uh, that are divorced, widowed disabled etc they are prime targets and and this is something that's just getting you know much more becoming much more problematic around the country and 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 across time as we go so uh just something aware of i i see you know i i get emails from people quite often that address this specific issue my mom got wrapped up in in this issue or you know, how do I fix it? And, and, you know, is there any recourse? And no, in a lot of cases, there's no recourse whatsoever. But you've got to identify these problems and, and get them shut down. And particularly if they're if they're more elderly, starting to potentially lose their faculties a little bit, get added on to their bank accounts as a, a joint signer. So you can at least track the activity, see what's going on, see if there's anything odd you know it's just it's unfortunate that we live in a society like that but the more that we go digital and this is the problem with digital banking is it just opens up people to more and more abilities to get scammed because it's it's easy for drafts to come out of accounts and if you don't look at your account every day and are not tracking every little expenditure it's easy not to catch some of these things because they start out small one of the one of the things that a scammer will do is if they can get your credit card data, um, they will run small charges, like buy a pizza, things that you really won't notice initially to make sure the, the credit card is valid. So you get a couple of charges that come through that are very small, they are innocuous. You go, I don't really remember ordering a pizza, but I guess it did. And then you get hit with the big charges, right? And so you know, this is just you know things to if you have elderly parents and and your and your and and you know and they're kind of you know dealing with the, any of these issues it's just something to be aware of and again there's just particularly as we get near holidays like Valentine's Christmas etc that's when these scams really start to pick up traction because again everybody's moving very quickly you haven't done your Valentine's Day shopping yet so get out there and do it but everybody's moving quickly to get things done this is a good time to just kind of make sure that your parents are getting taken care of as well. All right. Um, So today, like I said, CPI, economists right now expect that in consumer inflation is going to fall below 3%. So uh, the expectation, uh, you know, right now is that we'll be at 2.9% on an annualized basis. There is some concern though, as I said earlier in the show, that we could see an uptick, maybe a little bit hotter than expected CPI because of rising gasoline prices recently. But again, we'll see. Again, you know, food and gas typically get stripped out. The Fed looks at the core. So today, to, you know, the, the the one thing that would you know really spark a movement in the markets one one direction or the other is one is a is is a much hotter than expected headline print. Um, but if the core print is hotter than expected, that could be bad for the markets as it would delay any type of rate cut from the Fed potentially even further. And again, the markets have already been trying to reprice in fewer rate cuts. But if that inflation number comes in hotter than expected, especially on the core side, that would certainly potentially kick out any type of of rate cut by the Fed just because of the concern of inflation resurging, right? Uh, That wouldn't be good for the markets. If the print comes in a lot cooler than expected, then that's going to be good for stocks because again, They'll be back to trying to price in more rate cuts. Um, Economists on the Wall Street Journal expect Labor Department's monthly inflation report will show an overall consumer prices were up 2.9% in January from a year earlier. That's the smallest gain since March of 2021. Uh, Now, remember, this is year-over-year prices still rising, right? You don't have deflation. We don't have negative prices. We still have inflation running at 2.9% on an annualized basis. But inflation, the rate of growth of that inflation is slowing down. And I know you're sitting home like, oh, well, I still can't afford to buy groceries. I know. And groceries are still more expensive than they were than they were last year. But the rate of that price increase is slowing down. That's what the Fed's looking for. They want inflation at 2% a year, not 3%. They they estimate that – Wall Street economist – Estimate the core prices, which exclude food and energy items in an effort to track inflation's underlying trend, were up 3.7%. That's the smallest gain also since April of 2021. So still, you know, near 4% at the core in terms of inflation once you strip out volatile food and energy. That's still not cheap. Uh, So it reports out at 730 this morning. And and again, you know, the the rate of inflation is slowing. We're not at deflation yet. Still have inflation. And the Fed doesn't want deflation. They want 2% growth in inflation. Um, So we'll see how the markets react this morning. Right now, futures are are mildly lower. The Dow's down about – 60, 70 points, Nasdaq's down about 117, technology under a bit of pressure this morning. Again, not surprising. Tech has had such a big run, a bit of a correction there would not be surprising. Um, And again, as we talked about yesterday, seeing a bit more of this rotational action occur between technology and some of the other sectors of the markets. We saw that a bit yesterday. Utilities did well. Um, uh, Mid-caps did well. Um, We saw... um, uh, real estate do okay yesterday. Energy did great. Uh, the the purchase of, of Endeavor uh, drilling by um, Diamondback was a big move in the energy market yesterday. So again, hopefully see a little bit more of that rotation, kind of cool this market off a bit. We're still kind of working through our profit taking and, and rebalancing. We'll continue that here over the next few days as well. If you have any questions, get by the website, realinvestmentadvice.com. Have a great day. See you back here tomorrow.